Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 is going to be our guide this morning. For those of you that are new to Dawson, we're in a series through the Ten Commandments. Last spring, we walked through Exodus 1 through 18. We pick up the Ten Commandments. This spring, we will walk through the rest of the book of Exodus next spring. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, uh, every parent's favorite commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's hear it one more time. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I was reading this last week, a renowned authority talking about the challenges of parenting and very specifically, he wrote, youth today have luxury, they have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, and tyrannize their elders. The respected authority that I was reading was none other than Socrates 2,400 years ago, who wrote those words. So for anyone here that is a parent that thinks parenting can be challenging at times, uh, you're in good company. You're, you're in historic company. Nothing is new under the sun, and certainly this is the case for us as we listen to the fifth commandment here. Now, as we walk into the Ten Commandments, it's important for us to understand a shift that occurs with the first four commandments and the last six commandments. You'll hear as you listen or if you read, uh, the Ten Commandments are broken up into two tables. You'll hear that description. And it's easy for us to think five and five, you know, one tablet, another tablet. But actually, it's the first four that give us a vertical orientation to God. The first four commandments teach us how we love God, how we respect God, how we reverence God. The next six are horizontal in description in the sense that they lead us to how we treat one another how we love one another, how we give respect to one another. So the first four, even in the way that the Ten Commandments are given to us, are foundational for the next six. So without a vertical orientation to God, do not be surprised that we'll have difficulty horizontally relating to one another. The first four are the foundation that we then build upon to respect and to love and to care for others in our family, in our communities, in our workplace. You, you hear a lot of conversation in our day and age on social media, but also in the media that is an appeal to love one another and to respect one another, which is a healthy appeal. But oftentimes it is without that foundation. It is it's without an attention to a love for and a worship and an adoration of God. So in effect, what you're hearing is, love one another, respect one another, but you hear it excised and removed from what actually fuels that love and respect for one another. What actually gives us the, the focus and the direction. It's almost as if in, in our culture and social media, we're being asked to play a baseball game and we get up to the plate and we don't have a bat. This is the uh, effect and essence of what is being asked of us in our culture. And so if you live in a day and age like we do, where the worship of God and a respect and reverence for God at times can be downplayed, do not be surprised that one thing that will occur when we jettison God is that, that we're going to have issues with how we treat one another and how we uh, have respect for one another. 
The great Genevan reformer John Calvin nonetheless would say as he is building upon this very foundation that the first foundation of righteousness is the worship of God. When this is overthrown, all the remaining parts of righteousness, like the pieces of a shattered and fallen building, are mangled and scattered. Apart from the fear of God, men do not preserve equity and love among themselves. So worship of God must be the foundation of our respect for one another. The the vertical first four commandments must be the basis of how we hear and heed the six other commandments that come after it. Now with that said, we jump into the fifth commandment and and we look closely to see how that structure of the first four commandments leading to the next six actually gives us some insight into how God would choose to direct our attentions to a love for one another. Notice that he starts with that most basic of human relationships, the the relationship of a father and mother to a son or a daughter, the, the familiar relationship. You'll see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the priority of the family in God's design. The priority of the family in God's design. A relationship with God being the beginning of the Ten Commandments then moves in this second table to the, the most foundational and basic of all human relationships is the relationship between parents and a child. This is basic. I mean, it's obvious of what I'm saying here, but I don't want us to skip over the obvious. Uh, You are not by birth a son or a daughter of the Most High God. We have to experience adoption into the family of God through the rebirth, the work of the Spirit of God in us most basic of human relationships then biologically is is you being a son or daughter of your parents and then the greater relationship a part of the eternal family is what we receive through the the rebirth our, our conversion and so God has a foundational plan to point us to the authority of God and he uses imperfect parents to raise imperfect children that ultimately will honor and worship a perfect God. This is his design. The intention of this foundational relationship is that parents would, uh, through God's grace, care for, teach, discipline, correct, and point kids to a higher authority an authority above them. Now, does any, pers- uh, does any person, does any parent do this perfectly? And the answer, of course, is no. Uh, no- nothing will humble a parent more than, than sort of what happened. I remember this vividly. Danielle and I were eating in a Mexican restaurant. We were about two years into marriage, and there was a high chair sitting in, in close proximity to us, and the child was probably one years old, uh, one year old at that time, and we were just listening to the child acting up, and I looked at Danielle and said, hey, when we have kids, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you just eat those words, don't you? There, there's nothing that will remind you of your imperfection and so, sort of your insecurities too than, than being a parent. So we're all aware that God has chosen to use imperfect parents to raise imperfect children who will ultimately honor and worship a perfect God. So to give the essence of this, moms and dads, you're a big deal in God's plan. You're not the only, the only way that God makes himself known 
by any stretch of the imagination, but God has a plan to point children to ultimately the greatest authority. And this commandment is central. It it is vitally important because if kids miss this at home, do not be surprised that there are going to be challenges outside of the home. When when kids don't have a foundation of reverence and respect for their parents, uh, we should not be surprised. This doesn't always happen. When oftentimes there can be difficulty of showing respect and being open to the correction later in life of teachers and ministers and coaches and directors and professors and bosses and most importantly, God himself. Our two oldest children are 19 months apart. And so when Hayden and Luke were four and two, five and three, there'd be times I would ask them to do something And they would be reluctant to do it. And we would have to have this sort of conversation about who's the boss. And vividly, we would, I vividly remember being able to to ask them when they wouldn't do do something. Now, are, are you the boss or is dad the boss? Are you the boss or is daddy the boss? And so their response was always to be, you know, down the road, we'd try to get to, well, dad's the boss. And then I would in turn just make my way up the hierarchy of authority and I would say, now, who's the boss of dad? And without any hesitation, they would say, mom is the boss <laughs> of dad. Why? I don't know why that was so instinctive there. They would just immediately say that. So, okay, well, well who, who's the boss of mom and dad? And you see where I'm going with this. Well, God is. So God gives responsibility to mom and dad. And mom and dad have a responsibility to ultimately point you back to the, the higher authority. So there is a priority that we see in the fifth commandment of the family and God's design. But that's not all we see. We also see the honor that is due to parents by God's design. Notice again with me the honor that is due to parents by God's design. The first word of the fifth commandment is a word that is unique to all the Ten Commandments, honor. It's a word that is not unique to the Old Testament. You're you're going to find it throughout the Old Testament. It can be translated heavy. It can be translated weighty. It's oftentimes a word that is used to glorify God because of who he is, his authority, and his position. Now, is this saying that parents are uh, to be equated with God? The answer is no. But there is a priority to this relationship, and there's a weight to the role that a father and a mother have. And so the son or the daughter, the children, are to respect the the priority of of what God has given by giving us parents. Now, does this mean a a child waits until his parents earn that uh, weightiness? Does does it mean that a child says, well, listen, Dad, when you sort of do your part, then I'll, I'll show you honor? No. This isn't something that we negotiate here, but it is a recognition that God has bestowed upon parents an authority, and that authority is played out in, in every season of our life, but certainly different seasons. We heed this commandment in different ways. And so for a toddler to uh, come under the fifth commandment is certainly something that parents are very intentionally teaching that person, that child to do. And then for, for an 8-year-old or an 18-year-old, I mean, we're going to heed this. And at what age do you age out of the fifth commandment? I mean, adult children in the sanctuary, at what age do you say, well, you know something, I mean, the fifth commandment is, is important, but it, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now. 
Well, the answer to that is we we don't age out of it, but practically how we live under it is going to look different than than the way a toddler or eight-year-old. And so we have to be led by the Spirit, and we have to be wise in the way that we practically implement this. What are some of the practical ways that we do this? Well, I think Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 is, is really helpful to give us some principles that we live under the fifth commandment. Proverbs 6, verse 20, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. It's an aside here, but before I go any further, I do think you see two things occurring in the fifth commandment and in other Old Testament teachings like Proverbs chapter 6 that are very exceptional. And it's easy for us to miss this. Sometimes you will hear that the Bible is this patriarchal, chauvinistic book that is always about repressing the role and the responsibility of women. And I think it just needs to be heard clearly that the fifth commandment that says, honor your father and your mother, passages like Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching to provide equity, to even name the role of a mother in that ancient Near Eastern context was completely foreign. So God, by clearly saying not just your father's commandment, but your mother's teaching, not just honor your father, which every one of the ancient Near Eastern cultures would have said, but then to put your mother there is wholly distinctive and very life-giving to both fathers and both mothers. Now, if you're a child that is listening to these words here, if you're a child at home, You will hear these words, my son, keep your father's commandment. My daughter, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. And there are three words, respect, listen, and obey, that are implicit in Proverbs chapter 6. Now, all children need to heed this, but how we practically live this out is going to look different depending upon the age and stage of our life. But we honor our parents by showing respect to our parents, don't we? We honor our parents by showing respect. How we talk to our parents and how we talk about our parents, it matters. And and it dishonors God. And it dishonors ultimately our parents when we belittle them and always argue with them and grumble about them and believe the worst intentions about them. This is not honoring our parents. This is actually dishonoring our parents. So we're to show respect to our parents because they're perfect? No. But because God has bestowed authority upon them? Yes. And God has given us parents providentially in his design. So we show respect to them, but we also listen to them. Again, Proverbs chapter 6, my son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Our children have many influences that come upon them, but what gets the most weight as they make decisions? Is it just Instagram influencers that have the greatest impact upon decision-making for a teenager? Well, again, we need to hear and heed this commandment that God has given you parents. And your parents have have years upon you and and decades upon you. They're, They're further down the road and there's wisdom in their experience. And there's authority that God has bestowed upon them. So, so we listen and we heed their words and we don't ignore their words as we make decisions and we do things in life. It isn't as if we just have this circle of our friends that influence us and we don't listen nor heed the words of our parents. We, we do that to our folly. There's a foolish path to travel. 
So we honor our parents by showing respect. We honor our parents by listening to them. We honor our parents by obeying them. Now, again, for adult children, there's going to be a a tremendous distinction uh, between what an adult child would do uh, compared to a child that is under the roof of a a home and moms and dads here. So I speak to those that are at home, teenagers and middle schoolers and elementary and all of you children that are here. Uh, you, you obey your parents because God has given you them. And as children, they have curfews and they have rules and they have chores. And I know it's tempting to think, hey, these are so unbearable and they're unreasonable. But by you, You being obedient to what God has called you to do as a son or a daughter, this is God's way of protecting you. This is God's way of growing you. This is God's way of looking out for you. And your parents, while you might not see this, uh, especially for our younger children that are in this room and our teenagers that are in this room, they they do love you and they do want what is best for you. Perfectly, no. Now, we don't live in the Garden of Eden, do we? And no parent, parents in the Garden of Eden, and no child receives parenting in the Garden of Eden. And so there is a practical question. Is there ever a situation, is there ever a time where where we disobey our parents? And of course, we can come up with hypothetical situations where the greater authority of God contradicts the authority of our parents. And we want to heed the greater authority, but we don't do that without tremendous prayer. We can imagine a situation where, where someone is growing up in a household that, that will not have anything to do with Christian teaching. They've clearly said there will be no Christians in our household. No one will go to church in our household. No one will trust Jesus in our household. You, you would dishonor me and you would, you would dishonor the, the religious tradition that we're bringing you up in. And we could imagine that hypothetical situation where the gospel penetrated the heart of a teenager or adult child. And we could imagine that uh, that child would repent and that child would trust in Jesus and that child would live in such a way where the claims of the gospel were upon their life. But, but they, they would not intentionally want to antagonize their parents They would not want to intentionally push their parents away, and that requires a lot of prayer, and it requires the community of the family of God to come alongside of of those uh, children that are in those kinds of situations. Now, to parents, everything that I'm talking about here presupposes that you are doing what we're talking about your children doing. So we have a role in this to listen to and to respect and to obey our greater authority. So as we're teaching our children, one of the greatest ways that we're going to teach our children is by modeling submission to uh, God and his authority. And this requires time, and this requires prayer, this requires the word of God. Will any parent do this perfectly? And the answer, of course, is no. But God doesn't expect you to perfectly obey him, nor does he expect you to perfectly parent your children here. And there's something beautiful when a, when a parent is able to say in those moments of vulnerability and authenticity to their children, you know something, dad kind of blew it in that moment. And I've, I've asked God to for, forgive me, and I need to come to you and tell you that there's a greater authority that, that is over me. And so I have to tell you, will, will you forgive me? There is something that's really beautiful about that kind of 
life that is lived in all of our families that are here. How you parent children, and this is no parenting type of sermon here, but it goes without saying that the way you parent toddlers is going to be very face-to-face. So there's a lot of correcting and there's a lot of guiding. There's a lot of instilling of foundations. And as your kids get older and especially they get to those teenage years and they're off and they're driving, you've moved to a different uh, moment in parenting, a different season. And you're, you're parenting not face-to-face, but you're, you're parenting shoulder-to-shoulder. And you're praying for, for those things that you've instilled in your children and you're continuing to model to your children that ultimately they're going to live out and imperfectly they will. But you pray for them in this moment. We should expect this to be messy. We should expect this to be imperfect. And oftentimes we live in 2022 with this unreasonable parental guilt. Theologically, we believe in the sovereignty of God, but practically a lot of parents that are Christians are functionally atheists who believe that the future of their children is solely dependent upon the decisions they make. And boy, what a, what a weight to have on our shoulders. Maybe there's a word that you need to hear as a parent that if you're a follower of Jesus... And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even more so, there is someone who loves your children and desires their future in in a far greater and more perfect way than you do, and that is God. So you do not parent alone. There's this temptation for us to feel as if we are the sole bearers of the future of our children, and it's just not the case, and we feel that we've got to get ahead of our kids and just bulldoze every possible obstacle that could trip them up. So a tough situation at school with a teacher, we got to bulldoze that. Tough situation with a coach or a director, we got to bulldoze that out of the way. And it's just not, it's just not practical. It's just not reasonable. And oftentimes, the greatest lessons that our children can learn are those painful lessons that you learned as a child, where you were disappointed, where you failed and had to get back up. And you made mistakes. And God often in the, in the raw material of, of difficulty uses that for, for our good and ultimately his glory. So there is a sense where as parents we, we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. We have to relax and remember that there is one who has a, a greater love for our children than the deep love mom you have for your children. The deep love dad that you have for your children. You do not do this job, this ministry, this calling, this whole holy responsibility of parenting on your own. And praise God, we don't do it on our own. So, as we listen to Exodus chapter 20, there is an honor that is due to parents by God's design. And there's the priority of the family in God's design. And finally, we end in a very unique way in the fifth commandment with a promise. The promise to children who obey God's design. It's a unique part of the fifth commandment, and it's unique to the other ten commandments. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, in the original context of the Israelites hearing this and heeding this, God is saying, I've got a destination. You're going to the promised land. 
And a part of, of living and flourishing in the promised land is going to be this parental authority being passed down to the, to the next generation. I mean, he is saying something that is so obvious that we can forget this. There are all of these foreign gods, all of these foreign religions that are vying for the attention of the Israelites. And God knows that, that the parents have to pass down to the next generation the baton of faith lest the Israelites, and lest your children and my children and the next generation of Christians would, would go after the siren song of sin that is always calling out to them for their affection in their heart. So passing down the baton, it matters. So honoring your parents and heeding their authority that ultimately, ideally points you to the greater authority is one way that the faith is passed down from generation to generation to generation and to generation. Now, does this promise mean that every child who's raised in a Christian family that imperfectly but moves forward trying to obey their parents, does this promise that every child's going to live to be 102 years old? And the answer, of course, is no. Or on the flip side, does this mean that every child or teenager or young adult who has a quote-unquote untimely death, that they have broken the fifth commandment or disrespected their parents. And again, with wisdom, we say the answer is no to this. God holds in his mysterious sovereignty all of the calendar days of each and every one of our lives. And we are not privy to the mystery of his providence. And there are some who, who, who reject the claims of Christianity and, and wholly reject their, their mother and father's love for them, and they live long lives. And there are others who are raised in Christian families who are pursuing him, and, and they meet tragic deaths. And there, there's some of you in this very sanctuary that know, know firsthand the heartbreaking ache of that. So we don't listen to this passage and put unrealistic or unreasonable expectations of God having to give so many years because of what we've done. But the principle remains that the only path to flourishing, the only path to abundant life in the promised land or in the land of the greater Birmingham metro area is an area where we heed God's word for our life. So if you're here today and you think that everything is good in your life, but you won't talk to your parents, despise your parents, have run from their authority, don't be under the false impression that that's a life that God will bless because it is a life that is rejecting the very claims of the word. Now, on the flip side, there are some of you that are here. And anytime we talk about family and parenting, there's some of you that, that hear these sermons and there's tremendous sadness and there's tremendous disappointment, especially for some adult children that are in this room, because you know firsthand that you were not raised in the Garden of Eden. You, you didn't need me to, to make that little nuanced statement because that, you, you knew that firsthand. And so sermons like this bring about some painful memories and some painful backgrounds. And, and you say, well, they, they weren't passing the baton to me. 
When I have a father and mother passing the baton of faith to me, or, or maybe it was sort of dropped in the handoff, and we just need to be reminded that we are parented by imperfect parents. And for any son or daughter who becomes a parent, guess what? You will parent imperfectly also. So a lot of grace needs to be heard in this. But for also, for some of you, you need to hear the grace of God saying to you that your biological family matters, but it is not eternal. And there is a greater family that we enter into through the saving work of the Spirit as we're adopted as sinners into His family, the the family of God, the the beauty of, of the church. And you might have the testimony of of the psalmist in in, in Psalm 27. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And maybe right now there is some difficulty with some of our adult children to their parents. But just as you as a child grew, you need to realize that your parents grow also. At the end of the first service, somebody came up to me and said, 15 years ago, Dr. Fenton preached a sermon about this. And I wasn't in a good place with my mom and dad. There was some water under the bridge. I wrote them a note. And I can tell you, David, now, our relationship has never been stronger. So where you are with your mom or dad today doesn't have to be where you are forever. So take that step. Make that call. Reach out. And who knows, just as you've grown, you'll see that they have too. Let us pray.